Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we are reviewing Transformers. Transformers, more than meets the eye. Robots in disguise. Yes. And before we do that, I have a follow-up from last week's episode. So if you didn't listen to last week, we reviewed Dream a Little Dream. Yes. I watched the sequel. Ugh, why would you do that? (laughs) I wanted to take one for the team. You don't go and observe a Van Gogh painting and then go and look at finger paints. Well, you know, I have to tell you that's about... Correct. (laughs) I don't think, you know, the idea for the story that there's a magical pair, two pairs of sunglasses, one person puts on a controlling pair and the other puts on the other pair and they're able to be controlled. So at one point they tell Corey Feldman, dance like Michael Jackson, because of course they do. So it, so there's really no connection to Dream a Little Dream at all, no, they're, except they're the same people. They're supposed to be sent to them by Coleman, and there are dreams that the people trying to get the glasses back like infiltrate their dreams, but there's really no connection. And really also, um, the acting from both of them is not as good. Well, I was going to say, it's later in their career, you'd think it'd be better. Yeah, but I think sometimes kids, sometimes kids when they're acting, they just have this kind of like exuberance and joy. And also, the two of them were put through a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're more like conscious of themselves. But Robin Lively was in Teenage Witch and a number of different things in the 80s. And she's she has a part in this movie as well, Dream a Little Dream 2. And she also is like, she plays Corey Haim's sister, Corey Feldman's love interest. Oh, okay. And I really liked like the energy between her and Corey Feldman eventually is pretty good, but it is quite slow. I had to fast forward through a good part of the middle. So we didn't miss anything. We didn't by, miss by anything. That, going but listen, there. it's also on Prime for free on a free TV, that what used to be IMDb TV on, on Amazon Prime. But Transformers, most of the iterations of Transformers, mm-hmm. including Generation 1, which we watched for this episode, you can find that on Tubi. Tubi is an ad-supported free streaming service, so it doesn't cost anything, and you can... Rewatch Transformers and have a good time or not, depending on that's right how you think of it. Um, and I think the movies are on Prime, and I think they're free if you have Prime. So I'll link all of those on our blog. Watch with us at stopruiningmychildhood.com. But before we get to Transformers, we start with our non-sponsored throwback childhood snack. Yes, and this week's. Is Charms Blow Pop. Charms Much Blow like Pop. Transformers, it's more than meets the eye. It really is because I, I chose this one for today because it's like two snacks in one, right? It's a delicious lollipop and then it's the um the gum inside. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good right now. It's pretty good. Mine's cherry. So Steve, did you know archaeologists think that there were some form of a lollipop from the Arabic, Egyptian, and Chinese cultures? Really? Mm-hmm. What did they do? Was it like honey that they probably used? 
or put on a stick. I didn't get that far in the research. I have. Okay. I, I didn't do that deep of a dive. Well, you know, <laughs> I thought we were more than amateur hour around here. It stopped ruining my childhood, but apparently we need to step we're up not. research. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> we talked a couple of weeks ago about Samuel Bourne and the Just Bourne Company. I did not realize his process to put the lollipop stick in um, more securely and more efficiently. He named the machine the Bourne Sucker. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. So the Charms Company was actually started in 1912. They originally had tropical charms. They had these square-shaped hard candy, mm-hmm. um, and there were assorted charms candy. Then later they started making the charms lollipop, and then basically they wanted something to set them apart from other hard candy manufacturers. So. In 1969, they patented the blow pop. They didn't really perfect it until 1973. But they came up with the idea a little earlier. Mm-hmm. And then in 1988, the Charms Candy Company was sold to Tootsie Roll Industries. And they made the Tootsie Pop. And then they also made the Tootsie Pop, yeah. Using, I'm assuming, the same process just with Tootsie Roll yep. instead of gum. They have their old-fashioned candy, the Tootsie Roll, into the Tootsie Pops. And um, will some t- at some point have Tootsie Rolls? I think that they might have gluten. I'm not sure. But at some point we will. So before I tell you more history, my my history, my personal history of the blow pop is that I broke a tooth eating one. Okay. I got a temporary crown put on because I didn't have great dental insurance at the time. <laughs> Three years later, I break the same tooth eating another blow pop. Maybe you shouldn't eat a blow pop. <laughs> well, I, and I went in and the dentist was like, how long have you had this temporary crown? Like a month or two? And I was like three and a half years <laughs> and he said how did you break your tooth and i go eating a blow pop and he goes well how'd you break it the first time and i was like eating a blow pop. <laughs> <laughs> and i was an adult at the time this is not like i wasn't like 17 i was like in my 30s okay then so anyway they take the hard candy coating and they mix it together they heat it up they form it into a long like snake-like shape to keep it malleable and like well combined. Then the bubble gum is made into a similar rope and then the bubble gum is wrapped around the stick and then the candy coating is wrapped over it. So that's how they make the blow pop. Each component is kind of wrapped around the stick before it is transformed into that sphere. And um, it's quite, I like the, I'm not gonna bite into it for obvious reasons, but I like the sucker itself. The lollipop part is quite good. Mm-hmm. It's not too tart. I find a lot of lollipops are either too tart or way too sweet. And okay. this is kind of just it's right. Just pretty, it's just right, yeah. There are 16 flavors. The most popular is blue raspberry. Really? Mm-hmm. That used to be my favorite. I went to an academic camp in the summers. Just stop right there. <laughs> in the summers of middle school, I went to an academic camp called Mind Stretchers. Um, it was at a college. <laughs> and the, the college store had candy and we would all get the blue raspberry. And that's like my memory is getting blue raspberry and then going down to the lake. Um, they are the most popular in West Virginia. Really? They don't know why. And I don't I, either. I, think, I can't explain. I would think green apple was the most pop- popular. Yeah, or the, the classics that we have grape here, the grape and the good. cherry. 
Yeah. Um, they also have Super Blow Pops, which are a larger version. Oh, okay. I could have gotten those, but I really was worried about our teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so quite um, some interesting kind of candy history there. I also learned today that they, there are food historians. Like there are people, this is their job. Like they do this all day. I love it. I would love to be a food historian. Okay. If you um, need a food historian, hit me up. Mm. And I will change jobs. <laughs> Just tell, talk about the history of food. Yeah, Today, my hit, my history of this is like I remember blow pops. Obviously, I'm gonna be honest. Like I've mm. had my fair share of blow pops in my life. I was never really a lollipop kid. Mm-hmm. To me, it just takes too many. It just takes too much patience. That sounds like Steve's. Like I wasn't in the lollipop. Guild. I wasn't in the lollipop guild. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We never welcomed anyone to Munchkin Land. <laughs> I wasn't in that group. No, it just it was it takes too much patience to me. Yeah. Like I would prefer just to throw candy in my mouth and eat it. Right. Lollipop, you had to kind of work on for a little while. But occasionally, I mean, if someone like offered me one or whatever, I would have a blow pop. So, I mean, it's not, I've had them before. And they're pretty good. I like the fact that there's gum in them. I mean, if I recall right, it's kind of cheap gum. Mm -hmm. But, you know, gum is gum. And I'm kind of a sucker for cheap bazooka kind of gum uh, that has like that really generic chemically gum taste. Yeah. I kind of dig that. That's not unlike the Tootsie Pop commercial. Like, how many licks does it take? And right. then they just bite it. With the with, yeah. the, with the owl, yeah, mm-hmm. three, and then they bite it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of me, yeah. So I would probably not be patient enough normally to just lick all the way to the gum. Yeah. So um, if you haven't heard us before, we do one out of five for the snack, one out of ten for the show. Yeah. Because we're doing Transformers, we're going to pick cars today. No, because no. that's not fair because cars are Autobots, and it's not fair to the Decepticons. Okay. So we're going to do Energon Cubes. All right. Um. So... One out of five Energon cubes for low pops. I do like the taste, but I don't have the patience. I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a four as well. I really like the taste of this. Yeah, I like the t- the grape flavor. The last lollipop that I bought was so sweet that I just didn't finish it. It like didn't have any flavor by the end. Mm-hmm. This has just enough tartness. It really is quite a good lollipop. This tastes a lot like grape soda, mm. which I like. So that's pretty good. This tastes a lot like... Luden's oh gosh cherry lozenges which well, you, well, you know I, I also have a strong like, disdain for chi- for fake cherry I know but flavor. I used to eat Luden's like they were candy <laughs> if I had a sore throat my mom bought me Luden's it was a great okay. day so that's another flashback of your childhood <laughs> yeah so all, right. all together we have yeah. four, four Energon, Energon cubes, cubes. <laughs> and we're in for once in a while, in a short period of time, we are actually in agreement. agreement. But we're not going to be for this show, I guarantee you. Who's to say? Who's to say? Well, we are. Um, now we're going to get into the history and fun facts of the show. Then we're going to pause for our commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk about our memories and we'll do the recaps and review of each episode. And then... Our newest segment, What is Steve Willing to Watch? Steve <laughs> has two things to pick for today. Um, he's choosing his episodes for our next show, which we're going to be looking at, The Greatest American Hero. Yep. And he's picking out the movie for Memorial Day. Okay. So for our bonus Memorial Day episode. So stay tuned at the end for that sneak preview. So let's get into Transformers. So... Quick recap of Transformers. If we're looking at a summary of the entire plot, basically. Right. Transformers are 
a type of robot alien that are from the planet Cybertron. There's good guys, which are the Autobots, and bad guys, which are the Decepticons. Both of them left Cybertron and came to Earth in search of energy. They crashed on Earth four million years ago and were incapacitated until they woke up in current times. Mm -hmm. the, the computers basically designed them to be able to disguise themselves as vehicles. So most of the Decepticons are planes and flying vehicles originally. Most of the Autobots are cars and trucks. Um, and so basically the entire, the entire plot of most of the shows are the Decepticons trying to exploit the natural resources of Earth and take those ener that energy and turn it into Energon cubes, which is a stable form that they can bring back to Cybertron with them. And the Autobots are trying to stop them and protect Earth, basically. There is a young boy who's about 20 named Spike. Who, he's supposed to be 20? He's, yeah, because his dad was also there. He's like 18 to 20. He's okay. not young, young. He's I like a young adult. Okay. I didn't pick that up. Who do you, I, how do you? How old did you think he was? I don't like thirteen. He's working know. on an oil rig when we first meet him. So did yeah, you think but, that they allowed that in the eighties? Well, I don't know. They didn't have a lot of regulation <laughs> back then. Child labor was a little bit different. So Spike, pretty much from the first episode, stays with the Transformers for the most part. Okay. His dad occasionally is there as well. Right. But he's kind of like I guess he's kind of like the human counterpart that's supposed to be like representing the audience kind of as the human outsider of their group so that they can explain things and things like that and that's pretty much the whole concept of the show the history is really interesting we've talked about with some of these 80s shows about the fact that reagan's media deregulations yep. in the 80s really allowed for a lot more programming for kids uh, that is different oh. right not just very and I feel like, again, I feel like we've kind of gone away from that, where a lot of children's programming now is super sanitized. And, like, many of the things we've watched, this started with... Toys. The toys, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Has Hasbro, I believe. Hasbro and Japanese toy maker Takara, now Takara Tomi, they were free to launch a venture like Transformers. So they had an action line that coexisted with the series and basically they kept coming out with different characters like we've kind of seen, right? So that mm -hmm. kids would get all of the products possible. He-Man had really made it kind of difficult for any to compete but they really wanted to challenge Mattel's success with that so we have some things by Takara before this Diaclone and Microman robot toys and their animated TV commercials so they kind of used that it seemed as like a jumping off point mm -hmm. and many of the Transformer figure molds initially were borrowed from other toy lines oh which, really? yeah which we've seen that before too like with He-Man remember like they took a tiger and painted it green. Yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. things like that. So they created this these characters and this storyline for American kids, and Hasbro released both the toy line and the show in 1984. They again, as we've seen with many of these, called on Marvel Comics for help. And they helped to kind of form the characters of Optimus Prime and Megatron. They did like a what's called a treatment, which basically is they don't write the plot, but they give you like a character sketch 
Mm-hmm. Right. Here's um, the backstory. Here's the relationship. Here's who the Autobots are. Here's who the Decepticons are. And they kind of break down like all the personalities of the various robots in disguise. It, it's interesting because we also saw this Hasbro Marvel Comics team up with G.I. Joe. Yes. And when I watched these car- these episodes of Transformers, the animation style reminded me of the G.I. Joe yeah, I think that. we're we can get into that because there are some similarities I saw to G.I. Joe and some really stark differences as well. Tonka had GoBots, and a lot of people think that they were ripoffs. They were not. They came first. Yeah, I had a few GoBots because I had a cheap grandma. Yeah. And GoBots were not as expensive as Transformers. But listen, she also they, bought you the Elvin and the Chipmunk. They stuff. were not same grandma, yes. Yeah. They were not as well built as Transformer toys. And so normally you found GoBots like Ecker Drugs, right? And like they were like at other stores. They were and they were viewed. It surprised me they came first, but they were viewed as like a knockoff. Well, it's kind, kind of. of like Hydrox and Oreo, right? Like mm-hmm. Hydrox cookies came first, but everybody knows the Oreo, and they yeah. kind of Hydrox seem like a, a knockoff. Tonka actually released theirs in 1983. I have to wonder too if there's some kind of like corporate espionage going on there you know what i mean um so the transformers movie launched in 1986 you pointed out it's between seasons two and two and three yes okay and it's kind of a lot different from the tv cartoon that it's darker and more of like a thriller it also had the death of the leader of the autobots and other optimus prime in fact optimus prime has actually died 25 times yeah, but it, well, none was as shocking and as emotional as his death in the movie. Well, we'll get into that with your memories because I can't wait to oh. hear about it. Interesting thing about the four seasons, though, of Transformers is they're structured very oddly. Season one has 16 episodes. Season two has 49. Mm. Season three has 30. And season four had three for a total of, I think, 98 episodes. That is so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to take that in for a minute. I wonder why that would be... Like, to me... You know, we talked about with He-Man how they really had to crank out a lot of episodes. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like maybe they had a traditional run for season one. And then seasons two and three to really try to crank them out. And yeah, then, season two with <clears> 49 <throat> episodes is a lot. That's a lot. And if you noticed, we want, two of the episodes we're going to talk about later were from season two. Yeah. There's a lot of new characters. Yes. Because they were cranking out toys like crazy. And that's really um, one of the things that they obviously tried to do is to, to crank out so many toys. So the rarest toy was produced in 1987 And it's an Autobot known as Fortress Maximus. It is also the tallest at 22 inches high. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in buying that, I guess you can go on eBay, but it's really, really rare. I never owned Fortress Maximus, but I did see it. Oh. And that's a something because I had a lot of Transformers. So in the early 90s, basically the sales of Transformers were going down and they really couldn't support the TV show anymore. That's probably why it only had four episodes um, by the early 90s. So then they started coming up with other like spinoffs. So we had Beast Wars, which was a new toy line and a new animated TV show. And if you go on Tubi, you can see Beast Wars is there. And also, Steve and I noticed 
what do you think, every three or four years? Yeah, they kept rebooting it, and it was a lot of CGI, including Beast Wars. Some like CGI, of it, CGI, anime mixed. Right, yeah, I was going to uh, say, some is anime, some is traditional animation, some, it's kind of all over the place. Beast War, Optimus Prime, it's at his, that's not his, it's Optimus something, and he's a gorilla. Okay. Because they're animals. <laughs> all right. Um, it, it, was, it was weird. It's like, I feel like they just were really trying too hard. So, some other fun facts. Um, with the Transformer toys of other different various generations, and this will come up in my memories, but the metallic painted pieces tended to break and crumble, particularly the gold, and they kind of like wrote it into some of the episodes. But this is known as gold plastic syndrome. It's like a defect that came in toys of that era. Oh. 1986 Transformers movie kind of had the first female Transformer, um, but because a toy wasn't produced, a lot of times they don't count that. Mm -hmm. And so they count the um, 2014 Minerva, a pilot-driven robot. Yeah. But, but those of us who are true fans will remember Casey. Yes, from the, from that's, the movie. From the movie. Yeah, you didn't think I was going to go that deep, did you? I didn't. <laughs> so we also have Windblade, which was the Toyland's first fan-built bot, where basically they had um, various polls on the Hasbro website, and they let people craft and kind of pick the different aspects of what this Transformer what, would when, be. What year was this? So Windblade is actually 2005, and it's a Gen 1 continuity. So it's still supposed to be Generation 1. Okay. Which is... To me, odd, but I don't... However they worked that. I don't know. They probably um, did a reboot cartoon with Generation 1 characters. Yeah, possibly. And then we have the live-action movies, which we did not have time to watch this week, but we might revisit them another time. Yeah, mainly, be mainly because this week was a cartoon week. Yeah, and, and we, so wanted we really to, wanted to stick to the cartoon. Yeah, we really wanted to focus on the original cartoon. But the live-action movie, all of them combined had 3.7 billion in worldwide sales mm, okay. which is crazy to me so that's how the movies did um too many reboots and remakes to list i feel yeah, like they just kept because they're because they're pushing toys they kept trying and trying and trying but i feel like i feel like even the toys were never as popular as they were in their heyday in which would have been during this first this first run of cartoons this first four yeah. episodes and then through probably 9091 with the toys i would imagine right that, so that's a little bit of history of the show we're going to take our break and when we come back we'll talk about memories or lack thereof and then we'll get into our full review and recap this podcast is supported by its creators and listeners like you Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small, independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. My name's Megan. And I'm Steve. 
And um, we're going to talk about our memories of Transformers. So I'll go first because I don't have that many. Unlike He-Man and G.I. Joe, where I, like, I've seen maybe a couple of them on TV, I really don't think that I ever saw this show. My brother had the toys, and he had the Tonkas in, in particular that you were just talking yep. about. The, the, the knockoffs that weren't actually knockoffs. And I think he had a couple of the Transformers as well. So Tim's a few years younger, and again, like with a lot of these things, I think hand-me-down toys. Okay. So that's why I think he had kind of that mix. So sometimes I would kind of play with the toys as well. I liked the transformation part. I liked like trying to figure out what went where and how you had to bend things the right way to get it to be the the shape. And there were a couple in here that I remembered particularly the boombox transformer. Soundwave. Soundwave, yes. <clears throat> I remember that one. I think my friend Dan had that one. And my friend Dan lived across the street and he had like all the Transformers. So I remember like kind of being over there and kind of playing with them. But yeah, this is a very masculine show. And so as a girl, it just didn't appeal to me. But you probably have a lot of memories. I do. Yeah, because I was one of three brothers, we were really into Transformers. You know, I'm the oldest, but I recall, I mean, when Transformers started, you know, as we talked about before a little bit, it started with the three part pilot mm-hmm. more than meets the eye which came out in september of 1984 and then they started the rest of season one in may of 1985 okay so it was kind of like a little primer to see if it was interest kind of like they did with gi joe a little bit yeah. yeah and so then but like i mentioned there was 98 episodes in four seasons Jeez. but that was in two years yeah from may of 85 to july of 87 they mm. crammed four seasons and 98 episodes they really wanted it to go into syndication they they really did apparently um and so that was around the time i mean we're talking you know 85 so i would have been eight nine years old which is Mm, perfect perfect. time yeah so i started definitely getting you know i wanted transformers for like my birthday for christmas Mm -hmm. and then of course my brothers were both a little younger than me but because i was playing with them they wanted to play with them right yeah and we watched the cartoon i remember the cartoon much like G.I. Joe was an after-school time slot. Okay, so not Saturday morning. Really. No, it was an after-school time slot, which, because they cranked out so many episodes, they could do them three or four a week, you know? Right. And so I remember watching them after school a lot, things like that. Also, and I mentioned it, I think, when I chose this episode, or when I chose one of these episodes last time, um, we had a few on tape. Mm. Some of these went to VHS. Okay. Transformers. G.I. Joe did the same thing, probably through Hasbro. Not only did they have these cartoons on TV, but then they put them into VHS tapes and sold them that way. So you could have the episodes yeah, they at would, home. They would do that with some of these shows. They'd put like two to four episodes. Yes. And then did it come with a toy? Nope, nope. These were just, I think they were like two episodes each. Okay. You know, we had a few laying around because we were fans of it. It would also, a lot of those things came out, this is like how old we are, but a lot of those things I remember, they came out before you could tape off of TV. Like a lot of VCRs were, they're video cassette recorders, but a lot of them just played, right? Yeah, some of them did, and some it was tough to tape. When you, even when you taped off TV, right? You had commercials and things like that. So, you know, these were a little bit nicer. There was no commercials in them. 
Um, and you could watch them sequentially. You could, yeah, if you wanted. We didn't have a lot of them, mm-hmm. which is why, like I mentioned, Fire in the Sky, which was one of the options that I didn't choose, mm-hmm. because it was one of the ones we had on VHS tape, so we watched it like 45 times because <laughs> right. we owned it. You know, we'd put it in all the time. And so I remember that we had a lot of toys because the three of us collected them. You know, like every Christmas, each of us would get a number of toys. And my brothers and I, the way growing up, the way we always played together, we were not stingy or selfish on our toys Mm -hmm. right we would each get like i mean obviously for like christmas and our birthdays we'd each get specific toys but then we just threw them all in the box and we shared them yeah so it wasn't like i'd be like oh well that optimus prime's mine right they were just all our communal toys so together we had hundreds of transformers wow you know, I mean, I was watching some of these cartoons, and I'm like, yeah, I had that one, I had that one, I had that one. It's like me with the strawberry <sighs> shortcake. Yes. Yeah. And Hasbro was pumping them out. There was a lot of Transformers coming mm-hmm. out at the time. Which one was your favorite? Mm, that's a tough one, because we had so many. I mean, you know, and we had New Generation as well after the movie, mm, okay. um, because the movie was interesting, because the movie came out in 1986, Transformers, the, the movie, and it was animated. And as we mentioned before, in history, they killed off Optimus Prime. Right. And a number of the other people. Mm -hmm. And so they brought in new characters that they were hoping to then, by killing off Optimus Prime and some of the older Transformers, they could get rid of the old stock toys. Gotcha. And then they tried to bring a new, so you had Rodimus Prime, who was the new leader. Mm. And we had him as well, but it wasn't the same. It's not as great a name. (laughs) Megatron died, kind of, and was brought back as Galvatron. Okay. Which was a completely different look in these different toy, right? They were more mm-hmm. spacey and futuristic. Oh, okay. And so we had a lot of all of those. Did you have one that transformed into a fire truck? We didn't have a fire truck. I think my brother did. Yeah, Inferno. is. He was in the sh- cartoons. I don't think we had him. Now, when you played with them, would you play with them more as robots or would you play with them more as vehicles? No, usually they're robots, but we would trans- you transformed into them to like travel and stuff, which is what the cartoons really should right. do, right? Yeah. They transformed to travel, and then when they fought, they turned into robots. I really like when you describe the communal toys that you guys had. I think that's so sweet. So It was the same with G.I. <clears throat> Joe. It was the same with like kind of all of our toys. We just had yeah. a box of this type of toy. And we pulled them out and we play we play for a certain we play with a certain toy for like days. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me because for my childhood, you know, my brother's four and a half years younger than me, mm-hmm. and it's my brother. So you know, because of the gender differences and the age differences, we just didn't. We there were a lot of things we played with together, but it was more like I'm going to come over to your room and play with your toys with you for a while, you know, oh, okay. like that kind of thing. And then we did more like plays, dress, and the like the stuff we talked about. The last cartoon, the Muppet Babies. Mm. I feel like we did a lot more of that type of like imaginative play than okay. like toys. But um, I'll probably cut all this out. No, <laughs> anyway, um, so those are some of our memories. Yeah, so that so like I said, we I had a lot of memories, and I have a lot of good memories of playing with Transformers. Um, and now you get to revisit this series. So let's talk about the first episode we watched. The first episode was More Than Meets the Eye. It was the first of the three part pilot. Right. Um, so the yeah the pilot. I this was my pick because I felt like we needed the setup. 
right? Yes. So can you summarize the pilot? Yeah, so basically it gives you a little bit of background, right? They start on Cybertron. It shows them both flying their spaceships to Earth, crashing, four million years go by. And it's kind of an introduction. But even from the get-go, the first episode, the Decepticons discover like an oil rig and they start trying to pull the energy to make energon cubes. And then you've got the Autobots stopping them, right? But it kind of sets up the whole series because it shows them get their new transformation vehicles. The other thing that impressed me about this episode was, again, probably because it's driven by toys, they introduce a lot of characters. I mean, Optimus Prime, of course, who's like the main guy, right? Mm -hmm. But Cliffjumper, Hound, Jazz, Bumblebee, Wheeljack... Trailblazer, Mirage, Ironhide are all listed and you see them in the first episode. Yeah, it was too many for me. Yeah, and those were just the Autobots. Yeah. The Decepticons had Megatron, Starscream, Soundwave, Rumble, Reflector, who was three guys that became a camera, which to me is the worst one you could have. (laughs) And then Thundercracker, or Thundercracker, right? The toys had probably come out already. So it's a kid watching this is going, oh, like, yeah, I know who that is. So this is kind of how I felt about it. It's Marvel works with a number of different producers who are making cartoons mm-hmm. like this. So we learned a couple weeks ago that G in one of our earlier episodes that GI Joe was one of them. When we watched GI Joe, I really did get the feeling that they had very distinct personalities, mm-hmm. right? Here, there are so many characters, and they're all crammed in. I had a really hard time, first of all, figuring out who was on what side. I don't know if that was intentional. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't think so. So, I, I just, I couldn't really follow who was who, and it is cool what they're transforming into. Like, I I saw, like, um, Sideswipe... And Cliff Jumper and Wheeljack and Hound and all the different things that they turn into kind mm-hmm. of sort of go along with their names, right? Yeah. But um, but other than what they turn into, they didn't really have personalities that were developed. Right. Whereas, like, the first episode of He-Man, which also worked with Marvel, the first episode of G.I. Joe, you get that, I think, a little bit more mm-hmm. clearly and distinctly. Also, let's start with the song. What'd you think about the opening? I like the classic Transformers song. It, it explains who they are. It explains that the Autobots are trying to stop the evil Decepticons. I don't want to jump ahead too much. The second season's version was sung much better. Well, also, and it was different anime. It was a little bit better than anime. Yeah, so. they have like. It's kind of warbly a little bit. We weren't watching like a rip of this on YouTube. Right. We no, were watching it, it, it on Tubi. Thing, yeah. I just didn't think it was done quite as well. G.I. Joe's intro, if you remember the first season, was like that too. And yeah, it it's it's very much like an adult song with like a chorus and stuff. But it does explain everything. Robots in disguise and more than meets the eye. And mm-hmm. so we start off on Cybertron, the planet. Yeah, you have Cybertron, the planet, and you basically have... It introduces you to two Autobots, Bumblebee and Wheeljack, who are trying to steal some energy to power the space shuttle because the Autobots are leaving to go find a new planet. So I have seen the Michael Bay movies. I don't remember them too well. I had no idea that these were like aliens. (laughs) I did They do mention it in the movies. I know, but I feel like... It actually, I think, shows them crash land. (laughs) 
So I don't feel like you were paying attention to the movies. I probably wasn't. But I, I turned to Steve when we start this and I go, well, they're from a different planet. I don't know why. I thought that they were like, I, maybe I'm thinking of when the Power Rangers turn into the... In Power Rangers, they turn into like larger... No, they have they larger have, machines that they drive. That they drive, right? Yes. So I kind of thought that the Transformers, I guess because in the movie they have people like in Bumblebee, like kind of driving it, and then Bumblebee kind of takes over, like Kit from yeah. Knight Rider. The cartoon did it too, a little bit with Spike. Spike yeah. would ride in Bumblebee. But he had no, he wasn't controlling. But, you know, the thing was, I think they made them from a different planet to show you, like, these aren't Earth robots. These are, like, entities with souls who are just metal. Right. Somebody is listening to our show for the first time, rolling their eyes at me. And I'm ruining their childhood for sure. I'm so sorry. I just found this so confusing. But at any rate, they're coming to Earth and then they crash land. <laughs> And this was the other point where I turned to Steve and I go, wait, it's four million years later. <laughs> Here's what I found hilarious about the Decepticons, okay? Mm-hmm. Is that the one Decepticon, I don't remember which one, but one of the Decepticons turns to Megatron and goes, is Cybertron even still there? And Megatron's like, who cares? Let's make the energy cubes and get back home. But it's been four million yeah. years. <laughs> so <laughs> it's possible that this planet you're trying to go back to doesn't even exist or also possibly like i don't know if if these things kind of technologically evolved somehow they're just like made out of metal that there's like way it more advanced technology four million years later i don't know we don't know because he also megatron also left one of the decepticons back there to 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 be in charge (laughs) he left sound wave or not sound wave shock wave Uh it was a different guy back there and he's like you keep watch until we come back now it's four million <laughs> four years million later years. for four million years he's been trying to um, rule and also i'm like are they immortal i don't know but they've been kind of in stasis yeah they basically crashed and they've been just like offline for four million years yeah what happens is something something like kickstarts the the ship and well, the ship a- turns on yeah, the volcano. It's a erupts. volcano eruption, and it and it basically causes the ship to reboot. Right, and so part of the ship protocol is if the transformers are like offline or injured, is to basically repair them. Right. So the ship reboots itself, repairs them, and then little like drones kind of go out and mm-hmm. they scan cars. Presumably, so the transformers can blend in. Yeah, it's, they scan because if you notice on Cybertron, they looked like space vehicles. Yeah. Right. So then now they have to have a new design. So in repairing them, it also went out and it scanned new vehicles like on Earth so that they would blend in. So as each one was repaired, they were sort of redesigned. Yeah, and none of them rusted. I put that in my notes. (laughs) I go, no rust, question mark? They're trying to get energy to get Energon cubes to store in the spaceship to get them back home. The Autobots search out the Decepticons. They're just supposed to find them. Right. Then Cliffjumper. Cliffjumper's a little trigger happy. mm, And he sees them in his sights and then he shoots at them. And of course, he does not hit any of them. 
Right. Because this is cartoon violence. And it's not the movie, apparently, where everybody dies. Cliff, Cliff Jumper also, Transformers tended to do this sometimes, is they would try to reuse, like as you said before, reutilize things. So in the toy form, and it was similar here, Cliff Jumper is a red bumblebee. Oh, okay. So like Bumblebee is a yellow bug, right? Okay. When he transforms, he's a yellow VW bug. Right. Um, Cliff Jumper is red, but transforms to a very similar car. Okay. But he's he's very trigger happy. So he fires at them, and then there's a chase scene. Now at this point, something happens. So there's these workers who are on the oil rig. Yes. And um. One of the Decepticons becomes a panther. Well, okay. So this is what you have to understand. <laughs> One don't of the Decepticons any of it. is Soundwave, who is the radio. Right. He has three tapes that pop out of him, and they transform into something littler. One of them oh. is Laserbeak, who's the bird. Okay. One of them is Ravage, who's the dog. Okay. And one of them is Rumble, who's like a littler guy, and he can make earthquakes. They're not like full fledged Decepticons. They all do whatever shock or sound wave wants them to. They're, they're used to like spy and like chase after people. But they're not even connected. It's a bird, a dog, and an earthquake guy. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. All right. So it wasn't a panther, it was the dog? It's a dog. It looks like Ravage a panther. Like okay. A so it's like a greyhound kind of dog. Or like a wolf or something. Gotcha. Maybe, yeah. Um, so they attack these oil rig guys who's it we turns out to be spike and his dad yep right and then all of the autobots then turn into cars and trucks and they roll out some of the decepticons also i noticed transform into weapons well yes. like one of them's a gun most of them are jets like starscream who's the second in command and always wants to take over leadership okay um, he's like, I could do a better job. And then Megatron hits him and is like, shut up, Starscream. <laughs> right? He has a distinct personality. It's wild. Yeah. But they're jets. But Megatron turns in, he has a huge cannon on his arm. And he turns into a gun, which then shrinks small enough for the other Transformers to shoot him. Okay. To, like, use him as a gun. So he not only transforms, but his size shrinks. So how did they do that for the toy? They just have a gun that yeah, transforms well, into a happened, little version or what, something? What happened was, for the toy, mm -hmm. he was the same size as most of them as robots. And when he transformed into a gun, it was a gun you could hold. Mm. That seems like it's going to cause a lot of problems like in parks and stuff. No, it was very plastic and obvious that uh, it was not a gun. My, my, this is a... This is kind of a tangent. My brother, one time we went through airport security mm -hmm. in the 80s, and he had a toy plastic gun, and it was very clearly, like, fake. It looked like a fake cowboy gun, yeah. and they confiscated it at security. And, put, yeah. and then he cried, like, the whole flight. I shouldn't have left. Well, the late 80s and 90s, I remember you'd hear, you'd hear like, stories, and I don't remember if they were, Oh, like, no, urban some myths, of them are true. But you'd hear stories about, like, kids playing laser tag in the park and people thinking they were real guns. Yeah. And people getting hurt. And laser tag guns look nothing like a real yeah, gun. Yeah, so they started They're, they started putting orange tips on them to uh -huh. show, or, and painting them different colors. At any rate... <laughs> 
we have lots of, speaking of laser guns, lots of lasers, lots of explosions. I noted that this was a lot like G.I. Joe in, the, in terms of fast cuts. Mm -hmm. Like the cartoon cinematography, I didn't think was as well done as G.I. Joe. Um, because there we had some slower scenes where we took a little bit of time. Almost this whole cartoon was fast cut, fast cut, yeah. whip shot. This is action, action, action. Action, action, action on top of action. The yeah. other thing you notice that I noticed as well, I'm sure you did, being the same time free period and frame, there's lots of lasers, lots of explosions, but no one really gets hurt. Right. It's kind of like the A-team. Yeah. Well, G.I. Joe was the same ago. way, right? They blew right. vehicles after people right. jumped out. Yeah, which I'm sure is why the cartoon movie like was so startling. I'm sure that that's part mm. of the reason. So we kind of come to an end. The two guys from the oil rig are, are about to drown because they're their station's been kind of blown up. Yeah, the Decepticons right? took their stuff and blew up. Optimus Prime goes to save them, and then that's kind of the end. And then we have a preview for next time. What I really liked about the preview, unlike some of the other shows we've watched that have had previews, G.I. Joe is one of them, we did not see the whole episode. Yeah, it didn't tell you. It didn't show you too. It much. was a real preview, and there's something about the rubies of Burma. Yes, that we will never get to see because we didn't have time. So I kind of liked how they did the preview for the yeah. next episode. Then we went over to season two, episode three. This was my choice, Dino, Dinobot Island. Yes. So we jump um, virtually 18 episodes. Right. The song is improved. Yep. Because you're now in season two. And Bumblebee is flying. With Power Glide? So, sorry, can you summarize yeah. the episode? Yeah, so we open up with Power Glide, who's a new robot, because again, we have all these new characters being introduced. Mm -hmm. He's a new Autobot. He's kind of a fancy thing, because he's a plane, and most of the time, Decepticons were planes. Oh. But he's an Autobot plane, right? And he, he's flying with Bumblebee, who has a jetpack on, which is the other thing that's very inconsistent in Transformer cartoon lore, Sometimes the Autobots can fly as robots, and sometimes they can't. We don't know. Here, at least, it's explained. <laughs> it's explained with a jetpack He has here. a jetpack, which then fails. Right, which he fails, but very basically, they're going to check out weird energy fluctuations that they picked up, right? Mm -hmm. And what they find is a mysterious island that's prehistoric, and it has dinosaurs on it. And they're attacked by a pterodactyl. They are attacked by a pterodactyl, <laughs> which they're able to kind of get rid of, and they go. They basically go back to report. Mm -hmm. Back at the Autobot headquarters in their crashed spaceship, we meet the Dinobots, who have already been... I think you met, you probably met earlier in the season. Yeah, it was clear that they had been introduced, but their head, it didn't seem, it seems like this is the first time they're featured. Right. right. So we have the Dinobots who are really, the Dinobots are not smart, <laughs> but they're very powerful because they turn into dinosaurs. Right. Right. And in their dinosaur shape, they're almost impenetrable. So they're very tough. They're very, but the problem is because of their, lack of intelligence and they're so brutish they are causing a lot of chaos mm -hmm. they can't really try you know like learn things they can't practice stuff because they're tearing the place apart it's like if you had like a very large saint bernard in like yeah. a one-bedroom apartment well, it's, it's like a bull in a china shop <laughs> yeah that's a good what way they are and so as the autobots are dealing with this 
they get the news of this island and Bumblebee says, hey, why don't we give the, why don't we bring the Dinobots to the island and then they can have all this space to do their stuff and not break things. A few of the di- uh, the Dinobots, which there's five of them, mm-hmm. we learn there's um, Grimlock, who's the leader, who's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. There's um, also a Stegosaurus, a Triceratops, a Brontosaurus, and a Pterodactyl. And they fly back, they fly to the island as well as uh, the plane power glide takes Spike because mm-hmm. he wants to see real dinosaurs. And so they get there. Spike almost gets eaten twice in the in, about, in like three minutes. <laughs> um, and then after that, basically, the Decepticons show up. They try to steal the energy from the island, and the uh, Dinobots protect the island, and they go against the Decepticons. They start messing them up. But then the Decepticons use all the live dinosaurs to push the Dinobots into a tar pit. Yeah. And that's where it ends for that for that Because episode. this is part one. Part one. And we learn in part two that there are time warps. So it seems possibly this prehistoric island is part of the time warp. And that's maybe why those energy waves were there. Yes. Right? So what were some of your highlights, lowlights for this particular episode? Um, my highlights, I mean, I love the Dinobots. We had some of the Dinobots. Uh-huh. They're awesome. They were great toys. And they're just interesting. Lowlights, Spike's kind of a I'm going to have to bleep you, and I don't even know how to do that. Spike's kind of a jerk. There we go. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, first off, the Autobots have basically said, yeah, the Dinobots are just too much to handle. Let's kick them out and, send them, and basically stick them on an island by themselves. Mm-hmm. Then, as Spike and Power Glide are leaving them there by themselves, Spike says, I'd write you, but none of you can read. Yeah. You little jerk. Like, seriously? <laughs> I I did think it was interesting that they note all the different types of energy sources. Like, there are volcanoes and oil pools and steaming geysers. Um, all these things that were around in the prehistoric period. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was kind of interesting. My highlight, I think, probably is the Dinobots. That's why I picked this episode, because I thought it was such a great concept. I don't like how it was executed. And it was really disappointing to me. Uh, the action on top of action on top of action to me in really all these episodes, but not as much this one actually as the other two. But it just, there's, it, I had a hard time paying attention. I really did. Because I, I couldn't tell when they're fighting who is who and what is going on. Mm. But the Dinobots themselves I thought were really cool. I think that's a cool concept. I liked that it's like a timey-wimey kind of thing where like there's a prehistoric island. It might just be a forgotten island that never like evolved. But it mm. might also be like a time warp kind of thing. I thought that was cool. Let's talk about Grimlock. Because yeah. he He's drove. Awesome. No, he drove me crazy in this Watch episode. your mouth. Grimlock Get, get Grimlock's name out of your mouth. Stop. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> this is going to air later and people are going to be like not remembering that rabbit friends. Um, Grimlock reminds me of this Saturday Night Live bit where there's like Tarzan, Frankenstein's monster, and Tonto and they're all trying to sing Merry Christmas because here's how Grimlock talks. Slag, do fire stuff. Snarl, do tail stuff. So he's the one in charge of training the Dinobots? He's the leader. But he doesn't... Is he slow? Like, why is he talking they're, like They're not this? smart. None of them are. 
but he's the smartest of them, you know? It's like being the I tallest of the seven dwarves. I can't deal with it. It was very gimmicky, and it, it kind of... I expect... No, nay, I... <laughs> I demand your respect for Grimlock. No, I'm not going to respect Grimlock. It got really on my nerves. It really got on my nerves. So let's talk about season two, episode nine. This was your choice. Yep. This was, is it Atlantis Arise? Atlantis Arise, although they're very clearly, they call it Sub-Atlantica. Yeah, so they don't want to. They don't want to get trademarked against ancient Greece, I guess. Right. So basically, yeah. So basically, the Decepticons are looking for energy. They find this underwater city, and they figure they can plunder it. When they try to enter into it, they meet Nergil, who looks kind of like a green sea monkey. They're like they're fish people. They're fish people, yeah. and he's the king of Subatlantica, and they kind of decide that they're going to join in conquest to conquer the earth and then both of them have plans to conquer each other yes <laughs> meanwhile the autobots are having a touch football game yes yep. <laughs> and then they realize that something's going on so they go to investigate it there's a big battle and sub-atlantica heads for washington dc where there's a big face-off so the Autobots and the Decepticons then have a battle, and the Dinobots are also fighting in that. So we well, have... the Autobots get their butts kicked, and the Dinobots have to come save them again. Again. And Nergil has a shot while of one of the Autobots, but he's like, I can't hit that guy, so I might as well just hit them both. So that makes the Decepticons, like, suspicious of him now. Yes. <laughs> and they're basically like, that's treason, but he, he doesn't work for you. <laughs> no, and we know they, they laid little hints throughout the, car the cartoon episode that basically he was out for his own stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it's not like we ever thought the Decepticon... Um, fish people true treaty was gonna go no very no, far. no 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 so eventually they defeat Nergil and the Decepticons, Decepticons yep. and then he tries to the king tries to blow everything up and then Subatlantica joins Atlantis in myths and legends and it sinks back down underwater sinks back underwater which presumably it'll be okay under there and it'll just maybe stay Yes. What are some of your highlights and lowlights for this one? Okay, so, oh boy. Um, I oh guess, boy. again, the Dinobots were awesome. Yeah. The Dinobots come in. They were led by Grimlock, who's a phenomenal leader and strategist. I don't know about that. Leads them in, and they help kind of clean up at the end, and they save the Autobots, and actually they even, like, mention it. Grimlock's like, once again, saving people. And Optimus Prime, like, yeah, good job, Grimlock. Now get back to destroying stuff. Um <laughs> So the the Dinobots being in this were awesome as well. I have to tell you the Sub Atlantica thing and the fish people. This is really this is where it really started to make me strain my suspense of disbelief. Yeah. Now I was like, okay, I'm having a hard time believing this now. Well, right? Alien robots, fine. <laughs> right? Um, transforming into cars and jets, okay. Going back to prehistoric islands, I'm good with fish people. Mm. I really like different depictions of Atlantis because it is mythological. So I kind of like seeing how different like shows and movies and even books, like how they interpret that. I thought this was a choice. Like this is a strange choice. Yeah. Because they're not exactly mer people, 
they're not fish and they're not men. It, it, they really did look like depictions of like sea monkeys. Yeah. The way you thought sea monkeys were actually going to be. Maybe Marvel Comics was like, we need you to do this so we can sell sea monkeys on the back of our comic books. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, who knows? But I thought it was, th- I thought that that was kind of interesting. I thought it was kind of interesting that you have a very, this is how power works that a lot of times people become allies for a certain period of time knowing like they're really enemies but Mm -hmm. they're gonna kind of team up so i thought that was kind of neat there was one line where somebody was called humanoid anchovy which i thought was funny they called nardo that and toward the end during the battle uh nergil cuts the washington monument in half and then they have to fix it no, that was Megatron shot it when he was retreating. He's like, but you'll, you, but I'm not leaving, but you know, you're still going to have to deal with this. And he shot the Washington Monument. So yeah, Megatron, whatever, yes. Wh- whoever hit it. I thought it was funny that they cut the Washington Monument in half yeah. and then they had to repair it. Yes. Yeah. The Dinobots <laughs> caught it. Right. Held it up and then they repaired it with fire. Right. Which is not how rock works. Also, if you've ever been to the Washington Monument, there are stairs all the way up. So presumably there are some tourists in there who are like screaming and leaning against the walls and terror. My other downside to this was I feel like as a kid, I didn't remember what a liability spike is. (laughs) All right. The last episode, he almost died twice in five minutes. This episode, they felt he was a good person to bring with them to the bottom of the ocean. He's a human. He can't breathe underwater. Why would you bring him to the bottom of the ocean? So then Spike has to put on, he has with him a scuba tank, but not a suit. Yeah, he's in like, he's he's in like swim trunks. He's in swim trunks. Right? Like three miles down. Yeah. This is where I'm like Transformers. Get it together. (laughs) So I have to say overall impressions. Not good, Steve. Not good. There's really, for me, there's nothing here for me. There are no female characters. It is cut after cut after cut. I don't, I'm not a fan, as you know, of like big battle scenes. And this was pretty much all battle with like very little storyline. And I I kind of expected that going into G.I. Joe. And I was really pleasantly surprised that I felt like with G.I. Joe, there was there were really good storylines. And I felt like there were very interesting plots. And here, you know, what, what upset me about this is that when I was going through, like, picking for you what you were going to pick, mm-hmm. I, I really liked a lot of the descriptions. Like, there's so much potential here. Atlantis, King Arthur, Time Warps, Dinosaurs. And I feel like this is, to me, a case, especially with season two where we were pumping out the cartoons too quickly Uh because they very clearly had somebody in creative who was coming up with story ideas. The execution of those ideas, I think, fell short. So that's kind of my... You have to remember, the point of this cartoon was not to do long-term storytelling, right? This This was basically to sell toys and help kids play with them. 
So it was like, oh, look, you could pretend you're on Dinobot Island. You can <laughs> pretend you're fighting the the Sub-Atlanticans. You can pretend you're at the oil rig. It was to give kids to go, oh, you okay? And then they kind of jump well, from there. I will say this, though. With some of the other cartoons that we watched, the toys came first as well. G.I. Joe, the toy was there for 20 years before the movie or right. before the cartoon. He-Man, the toys kind of were developed first, and then the cartoon was there to sell the toys, but those both had better storytelling. This reminded me a lot of Strawberry Shortcake, actually, in how I felt about that watching it as an adult, that... It's very character-driven and not plot-driven. It's very much just, here are the new characters so that we can sell the toys. Yeah. And we're going to display how they work. Now, I did like the transforming in and out like of the vehicles because they they did kind of very quickly show them like right. like how they would fold up that was kind of neat but overall uh, that was a problem playing with them because they never they transform that clo- that fast yeah you're like it takes you like three minutes to transform them yeah. and the whole time you're going with your yeah. trying to make the noise as you're taking and then you three get or one, four minutes then to you do get this. one thing wrong and there's like an arm sticking yes. out <laughs> yeah so what are your overall impressions watching it back oh, i love transformers transformers holds a very secret place in my heart i spent a lot of time playing transformers with my brothers but i think most of the nostalgia comes in the time I spent with my brothers playing Transformers, Mm -hmm. not necessarily here. As an adult looking back at this, it's really hard to defend. Because you're right, it is, I noticed too, it's hard to follow, it's quick cuts. It's like they do half a scene and then cut, and you're like, what? Yeah. I mean, I knew who the characters were, but I grew up that. Like, I know who they are just by looking at them, right? It was tough, you know, and I just... Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I got to say, I mean, did it ruin my childhood? It, it puts a big damper on it because okay. it's not... I remember the cartoons being a lot better than what I'm looking at. Hmm. Now, a part of that is because I was eight. Right. And I had no concept of plot and storytelling and things like that, right? But also, you know, you're uh, now as an adult, I'm comparing it to things we have now. Right. Which is much different, too. In the day, we're looking back going, okay, this is basic cartoons. But in its day, Transformers and G.I. Joe were like top of the line cartoon animation. Yeah, I will say this, too, that, you know, I looked at some clips from, I didn't watch any full episodes, but I looked at some clips of some of the reboots and remakes, and I felt like there they helped the storyline a little bit, but the animation was not as good. Yeah. So you kind of have like uh, the blend. Now, now yeah. the 1986 Transformers, the movie, the animation was phenomenal. Mm. Because again, it's not a half hour show. It's a movie. It's right. long term. They took a long time doing it. It had a phenomenal soundtrack. And so the storyline was really good. There's not cuts yeah. because it's a movie. Um, and at, so they really jumped on that. At some point, we'll take another cartoon week to watch the movie of Transformers. Mm. I think it kind of deserves that. And we might do the same for, it'll, it'll depend how much time we have in a given week. But My Little Pony and Care Bears, I feel like the movies are quite different than the cartoons. And with Alvin and the Chipmunks, it's not available unless we want to pay like $100. Um, so... So reception-wise... 
as far as this goes, you know, there's not a lot to track it on reception. It was widely known. You know, kids watch Transformers. I can't remember a boy in my classes or in my school that didn't watch Transformers. Mm -hmm. Like, it was big, right? The movie was received very well at the time. It was a summer hit. Mm. And what I will say is, when you look at Rotten Tomatoes, the original Transformers series has 100%. (laughs) Interesting. My thought is, is it's probably a lot of nostalgic 30 and 40 year olds remembering yeah. their child. Going back and yes. rating it. But again, I mean, there are positives to it. Would I sit my kid in front of this and watch? Yeah. There's nothing in it that I wouldn't, that Ooh. I'd be, there's no topics or scenes that I wouldn't want a kid to see. If I had a little boy that wanted to watch Transform, I would sit him in front of this cartoon and let him watch it. Um, I don't have a problem with that. So I guess at the end, uh, it's not going to be as good as I thought it was going to be. But I'm going to give Transformers five Energon Cubes. Okay. So five Energon Cubes. Out of ten. Out of ten for Steve. I'm going to give it a two. There's not a lot here for me. This is just a personal thing. Yeah. The animation, you know, it's well done, but... And I think that they had a lot of creative ideas for the stories, but I am really a story person and I didn't get that. I got a lot of very confusing fight scenes that I had a hard time paying attention to. So, overall... Three and and a half half Energon Energon Cubes out of ten. But... Four out of five for, for the blow pops. For the blow pops, highly recommend the blow pops. Just don't bite into them. If you're an adult, yeah. <laughs> if you're a kid, you go ahead and munch on those. But as an adult, um, take care of your teeth. So now we come to our preview. I'm so excited for this, you guys. You have no idea. This has like become my favorite part of the show, even more than the snack. What is Steve willing to watch? So, next week we are watching... The Greatest American Hero. Greatest American Hero, because it just came out on Tubi, and we thought it would be fun to do. And it's also one of those things like Manimal was, where it's very obscure, but I remember it from my childhood. Yeah, it was on for three seasons. So, I chose the pilot because I really don't know much about uh, Greatest American Hero, and I kind of wanted the setup. But you have a choice of five episodes. Are you ready? How many am I choosing out of the five? Just one, and okay. maybe two if we have time. Okay. So, number one, season one, episode six, Reseda Rose. Ralph and Bill try to unravel a case involving secret military plans, a Russian submarine, and the kidnapping of Rhonda's mother. Okay. Number two, season two, episode two, Operation Spoil Sport. The aliens return... I didn't know that there were aliens in this. Now you're spoiling it for yourself. That's okay. The aliens return and tell Ralph and Bill that World War III is imminent. A system which will launch an attack has been activated and they have to stop it. Number three. Season two, episode six, The Beast in the Black. Ralph finds a window into the fourth dimension while scouting an old house. Bill gets possessed by a spirit, and Ralph must return the spirit through that fourth-dimensional window. Okay. Number four, season two, episode 12, just another three-ring circus. Ralph takes a job at a circus. I can't do it without laughing. Ralph takes a job at a circus as a human cannonball. 
while trying to help Bill bust a crime ring that involves a phony dating service. I don't know how those things go together. Okay. Number five, season three, episode five, the newlywed game. On a way to, on the way to Ralph's bachelor party, he and Bill are kidnapped, and Ralph is persuaded to fly a mission for the president. Hmm. So we have a Russian submarine. I have to. I already know. I have to go with the circus one. Okay, fantastic. So we will be watching next week Greatest American Hero. Mm-hmm. We're gonna watch the pilot. We're going to watch just another Three Ring Circus. And if we have time, we might watch one of the other ones we just described. Yeah. So that's coming up. And now... Steve's choice number two. We don't have this very often, folks, but we have a Memorial Day episode coming up. And we wanted to do something military-themed for Memorial Day. Yes. Because Steve was in the Army. Yep. And so I have a list of... a number of movies okay are you ready yes from 1980 private benjamin that's the goldie hunt movie. i'm aware from 1981 stripes mm-hmm. it's bill murray 1982 first blood that's the rambo movie yep. it's the first rambo oh i should say i've only seen like three of these on this yeah list. i'm aware <laughs> 1982 first blood rambo uh 1986 top gun 1986, Platoon. 1987, Full Metal Jacket. 1987, Good Morning Vietnam. Let me try that again. 1987, Good Morning Vietnam. (laughs) Sorry, guys. 1989, Glory. 1989, Born on the Fourth of July. 1990, Hunt for Red October. 1992, A Few Good Men, and really pushing the boundaries of our childhood, 1998, Saving Private Ryan. Mm. That's a good list. You want to look at it? That's a good list. Um, That's a tough one. I think I'm going to have to go with um, Glory. Okay. Um, Not one of the three that I've seen. That's good. <laughs> so, so it'll be good news so for you. So it'll be really exciting. Um, probably a more serious, somber. It is a little bit more somber, but I think that's good. But we can talk about things like cinematography and acting mm-hmm. and and actual filmmaking. And yeah. we didn't get to, we don't get to talk about those things when we watch like True Beverly Hills, right? As much, yeah. So coming up. Um, if, if this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. Um, we have a cycle where we watch a cartoon, then a live action TV show, and then a movie. So our lineup right now is actually Transformers, this episode. Mm-hmm. Then next week, it's going to be Greatest American Hero. The week after that is going to be a fan suggestion, Flight of the Navigator. Yes. And then later on, we're going to have the Memorial Day bonus episode, which will be Glory Mm -hmm. from 1989. But this segment, this series of three, is like our aliens section. Because Transformers, Greatest American Hero, and Flight of the Navigator yes. all have alien Yes, I didn't think about that. And we haven't really themed three things before, we but we not. kind of accidentally themed this. Yes. So for today, if you enjoyed the show, like. Subscribe. Follow. My name's Megan. And I'm Steve. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.